Welcome to The Three Amigas, I'm your host Loaded Wookie and this is episode one. Uh, so this episode is really just an introductory podcast to let you know uh, what the podcast is about and uh, what the future and all that is. It's, um, so I'll just explain a little bit about me, introduce myself. Um, <clears throat> as I said, I'm Loaded Wookie. It is obviously a pseudonym, a nom de plume, um, as they say in the writing industry. Uh, I got the name, well, I've had the name for over, oh, almost well, over 20 years actually, um, uh, I got it because um, I was trying to join up a website and I didn't, you know, didn't want my first name, last name, uh, real name or, and all that sort of thing. So um, I was thinking of uh, <clears throat> names that I could use and as luck would have it, um, the company I was working for changed the uh, IT company and when that change happened, they changed the login. So it used to be my last name and the first uh, two letters of my first name and so that was Loda, uh, which was Loda uh, in my way of reading it because I used to read a lot of um, uh, three-letter acronyms as, as words um, in much the same way we use NASA and all that and uh, so then they just reduced it to Loda. D um, taking off that that second uh, letter so that became load and <clears throat> people who know me they think that I'm kind of crazy kind of uh, bit out there it's it's a little bit of smoke and mirrors that but I won't get into that too much um, and so uh, back at the, the time that I created this username um, people were saying that if someone was crazy or intense or something like that they were loaded um, that's also used these days someone who's on drugs or alcohol not so much me although the alcohol was pretty good at um, so then that became loaded I just added the ED at the end of it and that's become loaded and that's where the loaded part comes uh, the Wookie part actually came because the website that I was trying to draw, um, join either I created and failed an attempt um, at creating an account with loaded um, or someone else had the same idea as me and, and uh, they had already created an account on that website so I was like well I've got to add something to it and I didn't really want to you know as I say go for the full name so I um, I chose Wookie because at the time um, Phantom Menace was still a big thing um, <clears throat> it might have just been released or been out for a few months and my favourite character, like many, is Chewbacca, and he's a Wookiee. Now, I know for all you Star Wars nerds out there that Wookiee is spelt wrong. I've spelled it I-E instead of E-E, um, but that was actually by design, um, because I figured, um, you know, who's not to say Chewbacca has a last name or anything like that. So I chose Wookiee, I-E, as, um, as a surname for, for Wookiee. So technically, that makes me Chewbacca's cousin. Um... So, what did I used to do? Why, why do I feel qualified to make this podcast? Well, for 18 years of my life, um, off and on, um, I have been working in the IT sector. So, I started in 96 and I was basically a junior systems engineer. Uh, my first job uh, was to build, I think it was about 20 PCs for uh, one of the local high schools in our, in our area. And I basically it was building it from scratch, so empty cage, 
um, having to put the system boards in, CPUs, CPU grease, fan, build it all up, stick the RAM in, you know, so basically I had a bunch of parts and I stuck them together. So I, um, I like to describe what I did was more of a, a, a digital mechanic, <clears throat> um, which pretty much aptly um, describes a system engineer. Um, we're not like the help desks, uh, we, we are the people that fix everything, so um, I really enjoyed that job. Um, so I worked at um, SPS, or Southern Business Systems, for just shy, I think it was about 18 months, just shy of two years, and then the work sort of started drying out. And you've got to remember, in the 90s, IT wasn't really a big thing. Um, and so, yeah, being the junior guy, um, there were guys that were way more qualified than me, so I was happy to step down and let them carry on and let the business carry on running. Um, so then fast forward to 99, I got a job at um, the local gas supply company, um, and I was in their IT department, uh, and that was sort of a mix between a help desk role and um, an engineering role. Um, I kind of liked it. I built some really good relationships with the people on site. Um, got on pretty well with everyone. Um, and then halfway through that tenure, um, the the company that I was with changed over to their um, over to a third party um, IT provider. And under that contract, um, those of us in the IT system and the engineering. Um, uh, roles, i.e. me, um, we were given the option of either jumping ship to this company or we were to um, basically take the money and run. Um, I would like to say I'm proud of the fact that I jumped ship, um, but the company I worked for ended up just being an absolute troll of a company. So I, I worked there for almost 10 years, I think I was about three months shy of 10 years with them, but I, I just wanted to get out. Um, corporate IT is a different game and I don't like it. Um, so, uh, but in, having said that, I did work on a huge amount of systems un, under that company. Um, so I worked on everything from FPOS systems to um, uh, lottery systems, to service systems. Um, I worked in some really big companies, including a four month stint in New Zealand Parliament, um, which basically if I had any inclination to vote, <laughs> it got wiped out in those four months. Um, yeah, those people are idiots. And they're running the show, so, you know, doesn't matter who it is, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so then uh, after leaving uh, that company, I went to a smaller company, which is actually a spin-off of the original company that I, uh, used to work for. Um, by that time I'd moved to uh, New Plymouth and so I moved back to um, well, I moved back to my hometown in Hawara for a bit and then uh, ended up in New Plymouth after I got married and from there it was once again I was working on a lot of really cool systems um, and a lot of systems that um, hadn't really changed in 10 years. Um, so yeah, I, I, at the end I just got bored with doing the same thing. It, it got to the point where I couldn't work out why I was spending eight hours a day behind a desk just waiting for stuff to happen. It was pretty boring, so I left that and the job I'm doing now, I'm loving it. I'm literally getting paid to ride motorcycles, so. <laughs> um, 
so my hobbies um <clears throat> my hobbies actually really deal with a lot of technology um weirdly enough um i got into woodworking because working in it i was coming home and i was just quite bitter and twisted a lot of the time um and it got to the point where i i didn't really it was one of the things that was leading me further and further away in staying in IT. Um, so my wife suggested, oh, you need to um, get a hobby or something like that. And I was kind of always interested in woodworking, always building stuff. So um, that I got into woodworking. And, and there is a lot of technological stuff in, in, um, in woodworking, um, not just computer stuff i mean you're you're talking about power tools which is all technology um even hand tools is a form of technology and and, and so i guess that leads us nicely into what is the podcast about and it's about technology uh, in general not not just digital technology which we think of when we talk about technology um when we talk about technology we instantly go computers cell phones internet or whatever um, but that's not what technology is about technology is a human solution to a human problem um, take knife and fork for example here we are we're going around we're cutting up um, animals well how were we doing it we were using stones well those stone tools were a form of early technology they they filled a need how do you cut open an animal you've just killed or how do you kill it in the first place um, so technology sort of evolves according to the circumstance and that's what I really want to get into with this podcast is um, just really look at nuts and bolts as, as of technology, how it develops, why it develops and where we think it's going to go in the future. How did the podcast get the name, The Three Amigas? Well, uh, it's not because I had three girlfriends, although technically I did. Um, what, it, what it is, is actually the Amiga part is a very specific computer um, back in the 80s and early 90s. And it was basically everything computing is today back in the 80s and 90s. And, and weirdly enough, um, what Apple was doing today, the Amiga was already doing in the 80s and 90s. And... So because of that, I, I'm a very big lover of the Amiga. And it's really the reason why I went into an IT role. Um, so I thought I had three Amigas in my life. There's the name of the podcast. Simple as that. It's nothing overly complex. So what's the plans for the future? Well, the plans for the future is actually um, really... I want to sort of grow. I'd like to actually expand on that three Amigas name and actually get two more people, and we sort of have a, um, a discussion board uh, about it. And I don't know how I'll do that, but there is actually one plan that I'd like to do and, and get the band back together and um, have um, a couple of guys that I used to um, deal with on the NZ Mac website. And we used to make a podcast back then called the NZ Mac Podcast. And that was a lot of fun. And I'd love to get them back at least for one episode um, and just see how that goes. Um, so in terms of the plans, I have got plans to grow it. Uh, that, what about the schedule? I haven't really decided on a schedule. At least once a month um, is, is my goal. Um, and I'll probably make them between 15 minutes and 30 minutes. I don't really want to go too long. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably 15 to 30 minutes a, um, a month is, is what I'm looking at. 
so um i guess we now have to talk about the elephant in the room the amiga <laughs> so the amiga started off as a brainchild of a guy called jay minor at the time he was working for atari and they were wanting sort of something new um they they wanted to um build new games machines atari obviously you know them from uh games consoles and and um today they're largely just a nothing more than a logo and a and a uh, a name uh, to try and sell games but they were basically the reason the game industry exists in the first place um so jay was working for them and he had the task of uh building up a a new machine and he's basically set out that he wanted to have a machine that would be awesome at playing games but could also be used as a computer um so he set about uh creating the machine um and he did so by using um custom chips so um the design of these chips was weirdly enough just using breadboards um which are um plastic sheets that you um, either screw or, or solder in um, your components and you make circuits and all that and they, they were used basically for testing circuits and so he uh, designed these um, chips and so forth using these breadboards because he didn't have the technology to, to you know make printed custom circuits and things like that so uh, by doing that we end up with the, the Amiga the early prototype of the Amiga. Now, uh, unfortunately, Atari, like a lot of corporations, they weren't really into it, uh, I guess you could say. And so, um, Jay Miner knew he had a, a great product, but he wasn't too sure of its future. So uh, in the end, Atari rejected it and uh, he managed to sell it to a company called Commodore. Now, Commodore at the time had two very big products. They had the PET-120, PET-120, which is considered to be the first true um, personal computer uh, with um, keyboard, computer, monitor, um, and all that sort of thing that we associate with um, PCs today. So that, that was the first one, but they also had a product called the C64, which uh, that and along with the C128 were basically the, the bread and butter of the Commodore Corporation at the time. So, so Commodore bought the Amiga, uh, brought in J Minor, um, they ended up with the whole team from there, and they really went to town with the Amiga, and they, um, Commodore the then CEO sort of knew the potential of the of this machine and so brought it to fruition, sold it under the Commodore brand for many, 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 many years um, until Commodore itself, through a succession of CEOs that were basically useless as tits on a ball, um, basically killed the company. And at one stage, the company was owned by Gateway Computers, which now no longer exists. Um, and so there was a lot of people who loved the Amiga who wanted to keep the Amiga alive, um, but ultimately the history is the Amiga is no more. I'll get back to that. So why was the Amiga great? Well, basically it was a custom machine. Um, so you had the Motorola uh, 68000 processor. It started off with that. It ended with the 68040. 
uh, which is the Motorola chip just before it went to the PowerPC under the IBM um, uh, partnership, which is where the Mac um, under Steve Jobs' return um, started. So under the uh, with the Motorola processor, you had a much faster processor than the 68000 series that was being used in the um, PCs and the same processor that was being used in the Mac. The difference between the Mac and the piece, uh, the Mac and the Amiga with the 68000 series was that the Amiga was just full, chock full of custom chips, whereas um, the, uh, the Mac at the time was just using chips that were off the shelf. Um, so there was nothing special about the Mac at all, to be honest, other than the fact that it had a GUI interface. And that's where the Amiga and the Mac sort of competed. They were both machines that had graphical user interfaces. The real difference with the Amiga was the fact that it was color and had really, really good sound. It had 24-bit audio at the end of the days. Uh, I think it had 16, 16-bit audio on its release uh, with the Amiga 500. And um, it just sort of progressed up to the 1200 and the 4000 days and the CD32 actually. Um, and so the the color side of it, it had a at the at the Mega 500 level, it was um, a 4096 color color palette as opposed to Apple's eight color palette, um, and it could display. Um, 256 colors on screen at any one time. Um, that even beat the Atari, which only had uh, 60 colors on screen at any one time. Um, but PC, if you wanted new color, you just changed the, the monitor. Um, two colors, that was it. Basically black and whatever color the monitor was. And the, uh, the Mac was, yeah, basically eight colors. Uh, and most of those were grayscale. Gray it wasn't actually a color interface. <clears throat> So the the color the um, uh, the way that the architecture worked as well. You had the CPU, but the CPU didn't do all of the processing. What it did was it um, it acted kind of like a, um, a a traffic control system. So if you had graphics coming in, the CPU would say, "Oh, that's uh, graphics. That goes off to the graphics chip." Uh, same with audio, it goes off to the audio chip. Um, the later machines had floating point units, so anything um, that required heavy mathematics went off to the floating point unit. And so you ended up with this very, very tight machine that, that was just so efficient. It, um, the CPU wasn't being overloaded. And in other words, the RAM, because it could get everything out really, really quickly. And so what you ended up with this machine with that could do amazing things with very, very, very little um, hardware requirements. And if you thought the Mac was efficient, you see nothing until you've seen the Amiga in full operation. At one point, um, I had very, very intense programs. I had a word processor, which in the times was actually quite intensive. Spreadsheets, always intensive. Uh, I had a database. I had a... Um, uh, a 3D ray tracing app called Imagine, which uh, today would be the equivalent of Blender. Um, and that was rendering in the background while I was working on these other things. In total, I had about 16 applications open, uh, including games that I'd just flick between when I wanted to. Um, and it was doing all of that in 2 mega RAM. Actually, yeah, no, 2 mega RAM. Um, that was on my Omega 4000. Um, 
so very very light footprint and um, very very efficient and one of the biggest reasons that that was the case is something that is not done today at all even um, half the operating system was actually on a chip on a ROM chip so anything that didn't require writing to all the libraries and all that that didn't need to be written to was all sitting on a chip so um, it was a lot more secure although you can basically make chips crash which is where you get viruses and things like that but because it was on a ROM chip it couldn't be written to like you can with RAM um, but it was always there because it was uh, unlike RAM when the power goes off um, all of that information is still there programmed into the chip so from where to go being able to use it you're only talking 30 seconds or so on the later machines um, and that was the full drawing of the graphic graphical interface so the Amiga was extraordinarily powerful so what was the, all the graphics and sound and, and um, uh, speed capable of doing? Everything. Everything. To put this into con, uh, comparison, there was a lot of machines that were using, uh, a lot of videos and um, movies that were using computers to do graphics. Uh, but they were using silicon, um, silicon graphics stations, uh, SGIs. And these things could take up an entire room, whereas Amiga could do the same thing, uh, a little bit slower, but not much slower. Um, they could do the same thing with a machine that sat on your desktop. That was the true power of the Amiga. And it, it was used to good effect. In, in the 90s, there was a TV series called Babylon 5, um, Deep Space, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, um, that was created on the Amiga as well. And at, at the time, they were doing graphics that no one had even thought possible. Um, and once again, this is a machine that sat on your desk. It wasn't a, a room-filling machine. And uh, so the, the power of the Amiga quickly became evident in, in the video and audio industries. So a lot of albums were being made on the Amiga. Uh, a lot of movies and TV shows were being made on the Amiga. Uh, movies such as Lawnmower Man. Um, they they were all being done on the Amiga. One of the other things that um, we're sort of really starting and in, heading into this um, this industry um, with the release of the Apple Vision Pro in a couple of months' time is virtual reality. Now I know the Vision Pro isn't a virtual reality. I predicted that it would be um, augmented reality um, with virtual reality capabilities. Um, so I sort of saw exactly what Apple was going to release. Um, but uh, that stuff, the reason I saw that was because that was already being done by the Amiga in the 90s with a system called Virtuality. I think it was Virtuality. Um, and so back then it was powered by two Amiga 3000s. You sat in a, um, a chair or there was actually a version where you could actually walk on a, um, a rotating uh, treadmill. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, and you just wore a helmet and you could look around. And, and so flight sims became more intense. Um, F-18 Interceptor was the... Um, and F-16 Fighting Falcon too were the games that were really used to push, push that sort of technology. Um, and... Uh, yeah, the... the, the uh, Virtual reality was just amazing what was being done. And once again, on two machines that sat uh, on your desk. So um, everything that um, Oculus Rift 
started introducing had already been done for 10, uh, 10 years prior to that. In fact, it might have been 15 years prior to that. So nothing new at all um, in today's modern technology. It's just better graphics and, and better processing power. That's it. Um, and it all came from the Amiga. Um, so the Amiga is definitely better than the Mac and the PC. Even today, I would say um, there's a lot of things that uh, the Mac and the PC are doing today that they're only just catching up to with the the Amiga back in the 90s um, and even then they're not going the same route. The closest I would say to any device that works similar to the Amiga would be probably the iPhone, um, the early iPhone as well, not necessarily the, the new one. Although the new one um, uh, with the system on a chip um, set up, um, being all custom and all that, probably is leaning slightly towards that, but in terms of how the operating system works, it's very sort of generic, um, everything's all on disk sort of thing. Uh, now, I said that the Amiga is dead, but it technically isn't. There is actually a company, a couple of companies that are actually making um, new Amiga boards, and I would love, love, love to get my hands on one, um, but I just don't have the, the funds to do it. But um, I would love, even just for nostalgic reasons, um, I'd love to get my hands on a, uh, another Amiga 4000 and compare it to the um, the new systems that are coming out, which I believe are PowerPC based, or they might be Intel based, I can't remember. Um, but e either way, they're not technically the same Amiga, um, but they are running the same operating system. So uh, I'd love to actually give it a crack and just see what it's like, but um, the chances of that happening is probably very, very remote. Um, but the Amiga, you have to read the Ars Technica. I've got links to all of the articles, the history of the Amiga. You have to read that that series if you are interested in the Amiga because every computer system we have today really got its inspiration from the Amiga. Not even the Mac and the PC got its inspiration from the Amiga. Um, and so you need to read that. Um, it's it's not a short series, it's 12 articles long, and it's an Ars Technica article, so it's very long, but the history, that I would love to see that, that article series put into a book, I would buy that book in a hand, uh, in a heartbeat, because the Amiga is an amazing machine, and I... I really feel proud of, of using the Amiga in this, this podcast. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the Amiga in a nutshell. That's the podcast wrapped up. We're a little over um, half an hour, but not too much. So um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, please subscribe if you do. Um, please let people know. But the real episode isn't going to be until probably the start of March, um, where I'll be starting to look into uh, technology uh, and um, uh, yeah, just really getting nuts and bolts and technology in a general sense, not not just digital or um, uh, mechanical or anything like that. So I hope you enjoy uh, listening, and I'll hopefully see you in the next episode. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. <laughs>